Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 371. Talking with Scott Shadden of Terra Restaurant on opening delays, on menu stories, on workplace culture, basically all the things you know that are so important. And I'm excited about this episode because I've mentioned this. I, I don't talk enough about the work that we do with our clients. We're trying to change an entire industry. So sometimes the things that happen behind the scenes happen behind the scenes. And Scott is somebody we've been working with. I'm so excited that uh, he's taken up so many of the challenges that we've put forth that you know so well that that are kind of mantra, that are the mission at, uh, at Best Served. And this is also doubly exciting for me because Terra Restaurant is located in the lower level of the Spire Building, Denver, Colorado, in the Performing Arts um, Convention Center kind of corridor at 14th and Champa. Ten years ago, I was the chef at Row 14, the very first restaurant in that location. So it's this whole like coming home story kind of thing of, of having both these fond memories and a little bit of PTSD from that location. So I'm excited to have Scott. I want to bring Scott in now to uh, talk with us. Scott, good to see you. Hey, what's up, Jensen? How you doing? I am doing great. Uh, like I said, I'm so excited. We've been getting to work together. We've been uh, on an emotional roller coaster together. You especially opening a restaurant uh, is fucking terrifying and exciting. And you felt all that. And sometimes you and I have worked on things that are very actionable, very like we get shit done. Other times it's like, let's just wrap for a minute because this stuff is hard. It, it really, really is hard. And especially when you're an entrepreneur, it, it can be lonely. You're out on an island. So I've, I've appreciated the banter and the relationship we've been able to build through this process. Before we talk about some of those things, opening delays, we're going to talk menu store, we're going to talk workplace culture, all kind of hot, important topics right now. Terra Restaurant, talk to us a little bit. What's the mission? What's the vision there? What can uh, what can I expect when you open here in the next month or so? It's exciting, man. Yeah. Um, at Terra, we represent the Rocky Mountain region and the Pacific Coast, um, our region of America, and we obsessively support those communities and those resources. Yeah. Uh, we are an upscale regional American restaurant uh, with a huge focus on not just locally sourced ingredients, but native ingredients um, to our region and our coast. Uh, and we really just kind of want to bring the ethos of our cooking into a hyper concentrated climate of our specific region. Yes. Let me unpack that. I like the, I love the name Terra. It wasn't something that I was first familiar with the word, but it kind of felt like the word terroir found out that that in fact is basically what it means. And you were trying to really, really like tap into you being a Colorado native, uh, having spent so much time cooking kind of Italian cuisine and these high end cuisines that were coming from somewhere else. You're, you wanted to ask the question of what it meant to cook things from your own backyard, from kind of the what, what you call the terra of the American West. 
kind of this wild west mentality what are the ingredients what what comes from the land what history of people and culture and and struggle and strife can you bring together and put on a plate so i'm really excited about that notion lots of lofty goals that you have huge opportunity tons of challenges to be able to get something new and different and try and like represent the rocky mountain region in a unique way so i really really respect that about you one of the things that we talk about is these menu stories right i i, I challenge everybody if you cannot write a 250 word article about every single dish on your menu then why the fuck is it on your menu you're hype chasing right and you took up that challenge and i i was i was shocked what a good writer you were scott and you wrote what we call we're calling venison ragu a novel and it very much was we had to cut it down to get it to the right size not not add more and more and more because you know sometimes chefs write a description it's one sentence and that's all we can get out of our heads so i really love that venison ragu tell us why that story that dish maybe for you is iconic for you how does it represent again the terror of the american west i think it's just really representative of our whole concept um you know i've worked in fine dining italian most of my career and such a huge piece of italian cuisine is tradition and the sense of place and this is how things are and it was as much as i love that i always wanted to represent my tradition my place of origin the flavors that i grew up eating um and what's more rocky mountain like west than venison um and ragu is just one of those comfort dishes i've cooked it everywhere it's very simple but it can you know pot cooking can represent anything it can involve all flavors or any ingredients and you just they meld together they blend together um to make it so delicious and unctuous uh, and so it was just kind of one of those things that was a no-brainer. You know, I, I had to go back and figure out why I made that dish because it just came to my head immediately. Like I was like right in the menu and I was like, oh, yeah, venison ragu. That's a, that's obvious. I'll like write the recipe later, but that's something I want to do. Um, yes. You know, and we worked backwards from there because it just seemed the fundamental cooking techniques that I've learned and mastered over the years combined with the flavors of where I'm from and what I want to represent. Yeah, and there were two things that I really, really enjoy about your approach to this dish. The one thing that when we got into a little bit of a discussion, trying to dig deep, what I call is finding the thing behind the thing that's the real thing. And there was something with ragu where it was just this amalgamation, right? There's this like, there's this alchemy that happens in it where it's just these humble individual ingredients, but they're greater than the sum of their parts when they come together in this process. And I really respect that every culture has this kind of slowly stewed, just melts together with some kind of game meat or something that was hunted. And like, you really got me going on that. And you, then your hand making and, and hand extruding, you know, the rigatoni that you're using for this specific dish, other pastas as well. But then you got me kind of, I'm, I'm still on the fence, but you got me liking juniper a little bit. Usually juniper <laughs> reminds me of really cheap gin, but trying that dish, it did. It felt like waking up at a campground and like coming out of the tent and getting hit with that Colorado air, that like vibrancy to it. So it was it was a very unique dish. And I, and I really appreciate that. And I know people are going to like understand that. And it's humble, though, like you can make some some really, really beautiful food. You know, I've seen what what you've done currently and what you've done in the past. But this is just like the most humble bowl of pasta and it just hits on every level you know for you like why why was that important because you could have picked a lot of other 
I don't know, sexier dishes, but in our opinion, it doesn't get much sexier than a bowl of, of ragu over pasta. I mean, is there anything that people enjoy eating more than pasta and sauce? I don't think so. Uh, no. I mean, it's, it, it, it's comforting in a way. I mean, that's what you want to eat after a breakup, after you lose the high school basketball game. You know, that's just comfort. After you win that high school basketball yeah. game. like, And I it. think that like, I, and I think that like chefs always talk about like layers of flavor, right? Mm. Oh, we have so many layers of flavor in this. Ragu is the opposite. It's one layer. You, you blend everything together into just the one layer, you know? Um, and the way it melts together, it just creates this one beautiful, unique flavor. And it's unique to any ragu that you make. Yes. Oh, I'm a, I'm like salivating right now. This is <laughs> people are gonna people are gonna absolutely love that dish, and even just the process. Like we got to we got to shoot that dish. Corey came down and did some content capture, and uh, you know, seeing Tim, one of your sous chefs, uh, work the extruder and bring that pasta to life. Getting to see Gabe and Lauren, your team, kind of rally around this food. Uh, it wasn't about the most difficult, the most extravagant, the most technical this or that. It was just about, again, all of them as individuals, you as the leader there, the concept of Terra, that dish, it's just, it's greater than the sum of its part. And I think that is the opportunity that restaurants truly have to segue into workplace culture, right? We've talked a lot about that. We were pirates on the pirate ship, Bourdain's kind of acolytes, right? We we remember, I, I remember three books that set me on this path. One was the French Laundry Cookbook, where everything could be beautiful. One was Danny Meyer, where I realized hospitality was a real thing. And the other was Kitchen Confidential, where, oh, so other people do cocaine in the bathrooms during their shift, too. I get it. Like, it was, <laughs> there was just that mentality. That has were definitely the three books. Those were the three books. I mean, right? Those were the three books. That, I think we can all, re- every one of a certain generation can relate to that. Yeah, that has run its course. It is. It has been proven to not be sustainable and something more, something different, an opportunity for leadership and accountability in a very different way is coming to chefs in this industry. Workplace culture. And by the way, everybody, in the comments are going to be two things, two articles. One, an interview that we did with Scott uh, before this where we'll talk about a little bit more about workplace culture there as well as the venison ragu story. So make sure you get in the comments and grab both of those. Workplace culture, though, now you own a business. Now you got to figure out a practical way to actually do that. What were some of the things as we were working through that you said, yes, I want to invest in this element of wages, benefits, culture, education that was different than the way that I came up? And uh, what were a couple of those things for you that were important? I mean, as an umbrella, I really wanted the job to be something that's sustainable. Every job I had in my career was a means to an end. Mm. I'm going to suffer here for two years. I'm going to do this for a year and a half. I'm going to learn from this guy, even though he throws pots at me or whatever. I'm going to live like a cockroach for five years in Chicago and eat top ramen, even though I'm grilling $300 steaks. Um, you know, it was, it was all a means to an end. Um, and when I was opening this concept, I remember very clearly like arguing with an uncle of mine and he's like, well, restaurant business is a transitory job. It's a job you have on the way to something else. And I was like, and you know, my, I want to have this job forever. <laughs> I, I never want to leave. I hope I don't ever have to. Um, and I want to create an environment where other people can experience that. Like I want yes. it to be, I don't want this to be a revolving door. I want this to be maybe not your end game. Maybe working for me as a, like your dream of your life, but I want it, it could be if you wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, you could stay here forever and be happy. 
you know, and I, I make all of my interviews when I interview people, if I'm like, Hey, I like you. And they're like, I really want to work here. I'm like, cool. I want you to go home and think about this for 24 hours. And if you really think after 24 hours of thinking about it, that you'll be happy working for me, then you've got the job, but you have to go home and think about it. Cause, and I've had people come back and be like, you know what? The commute's too far. Um, I really want to work for you. But when I have actually sat down and thought about it, I don't think it's sustainable for me. The commute's too far, this or that. Um, and that's fine. No hard feelings. Um, but that's someone I don't have to replace in three months. Yeah. Yeah. The turnover rate, the rate of attrition is so high. It's become this self-fulfilling prophecy. So really appreciate that. That And look, it was challenging because... All of the P&Ls and the budgets that you had looked at in the past, that I had looked at in the past, never had all of these line items. And there's dozens of line items in your budget, I can attest, that were never in ones before. And you made a, a strong effort to be able to invest in those things. And uh, and this is this is a challenge that I throw to myself and, and, and my media cohorts is like, I'm, I'm going to tell all of you out there in food media world, about the things that are happening behind the scenes in Terra Restaurant and the way they're investing in people, because I believe that we need to start talking about those as a unique differentiator for what it means to support local restaurants. So a lot more come on the workplace culture, but Scott, I really appreciate you uh, taking that leadership because it's hard and it's expensive yeah, and it's absolutely. not what we knew in the past, you know? I mean, when I worked in restaurants, like I don't know very many old line cooks. Oh. Because you, because you're so unhealthy as a line cook. <laughs> you can't you can't live that way forever. You either die or you move on with your life. Um, and I wanna create an environment where people can be healthy, that people yeah. can actually, you know, maybe not grow too old. Uh, it is a physically demanding job, but, you know, come of age, you know, work oh, this yeah. job for a long time. Yeah, I've talked about it dozens and dozens of times. And, and uh, the 65 year old line cook getting ready to retire in the restaurant industry after putting 2.5 kids through college and living the American dream is not a reality. Why not? Can we not map towards something that does create that opportunity where they can not be a lifer because it's some kind of like joke on you for getting stuck in this industry, but it's actually a sustainable and viable option for people. I love that. All right. I want to take just a minute because <laughs> I know so many people out there that are opening restaurants, have open restaurants or trying to open restaurants right now. Delay 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 what how do you cope i mean you were trying to open i remember the first time we talked you were trying to open february 14th valentine's day right and we're, we're coming up <laughs> yeah. on may this upcoming week you know like so what yeah. how do you cope with that because i know people need to hear that from you it's a struggle i mean it's hard um you know i look at some role models um you know guys that suffered worse setbacks than i did um, and they stayed the course and they were eventually mm. successful, but you just have to not flinch. And you just look down the barrel of the gun and you do it. And like, you know, worst case scenario, I have to leave the country <laughs> with, with all those personal guarantees. I just, I just signed, but I signed in one way or the other. So there's no backing out now. Um, so you just look down, I, you know, there's a certain level of, you just have to stay the course. Um, and don't change your concept. Don't change your plan. Um, for me, I think that that's really important. Um, you know, don't flail around and try and change things. Yeah. Um, we had a good idea. It's been harder to execute than we thought. Uh, that doesn't make the idea bad. Um, and if I could go back, um, you know, you and I have talked about it. I wouldn't make smarter decisions about the process. Um, yeah. 
you know, there's certain people that I've hired um, that I hired because I really like their product, but I didn't take time to look at the process that they're going to use. Um, and while the yeah. end product is gorgeous and I'm so happy with it and I just, God, I just love my restaurant so much. It's like, my, it's, <laughs> you say with your firstborn child, I've never had one of those, um, but this certainly feels like it. This is what everyone describes. Uh, it's so beautiful, but the process has been very difficult. I could have opened six months ago. Right. Had I vetted the process behind some of these people a little more and not just paid attention to their yeah. income. Yeah, and because we're so tr so transactional, often it's like it's what's on the plate, and what's on the plate, the end product must be the culmination of a great process. That's not always the case. And look, it's everybody. It's always harder, takes longer, and costs more money. And so, being impulsive and impatient is something that's sometimes a virtue. Our ability to be in the moment is strong, but it creates these issues. So I appreciate you talking about it. We need to talk about it more. We need to get past some of the facade that we put up sometimes because we're here to create a great experience. So I really appreciate that. All right, I, Scott. That's I will it. say that's one more thing is please, that please. the team, the team is so important. Yes. Um, having good people around you, man. I have an awesome team. And as, as stoic as I think I've been and I pretend I have been, there's been days where I almost just jumped off the roof of the building, you know, mm. uh, and having that team to be like, sit down, here's a beer, take a deep breath. We're going to do fine. We know what we're doing. Um, having that support has been indispensable for me. That's good. And everyone, you're going to hear more about that that team as we're going to be sharing some content uh, as we help uh, terrorist markets launch. That team is so. just the best. I, I know I'm, I'm biased, but I just love them so much. That's it. you got to believe in them. they got to believe in you. All right, Scott, let's get you out of here. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate Thank you so time. much, Jensen. It's an honor. Cheers. Always. All right, everyone, that is it. Great episode. Again, I'm so honored to be able to share about Scott, his team, their process. Uh, there's a lot of intersecting storylines that mean a lot to me personally and the work that we do at Best Served. All right, once again, Best Served Podcast 371, Scott Shadden of Terra Restaurant on opening delays, menu stories, workplace culture. Appreciate you all as always. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.